0: Let's talk some hoops, and let's do it with Tom Haberstroh, one of the smartest guys covering the game. He is with Meadowlark Media. He has the Basketball Illuminati podcast. He is on Twitter at Tom Haberstroh, and he is with us right now. What's up, Tom? My man. Great to hear from you. So let's get the hard stuff out of the way. This show owes you an apology. Or by show, I mean my, my executive producer. The other day, I'm just going to be full disclosure, Tom. Throw your hands up all you want, Tom. Tell us, you know... Um, Tom Haberstroh. The other day, we're, we're we're talking about about Steph, Steph Curry, and my producer goes, "You know what I think?" And I go, "What do you think, Tom?" To tell us, you know, and he goes, "I think Steph is really Shaq from thirty feet." And I go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't steal from Tom Haberstroh on this show. You got to quote the man if you're going to use that line." So we just, as a group, Tom, we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I thought you were gonna apologize for
1: bumping me yesterday about apparently some dude for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, retired or something like that. I don't know. Some some quarterback, old quarterback retired. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know what? I, I gotta say, um, at least you mentioned it. And so many times a take or a stat gets uh you know, regurgitated through the media, uh, or the radio waves or podcasts, and it loses the little timestamp or loses the credit line. And you know what, Bill, you are an upstanding individual. And I appreciate you mentioning that because I really do believe nobody warps the court like Stephen Curry on the floor. And he does it in a way um, that we've never seen before. Usually they look like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Will Chamberlain or Shaq, but yes, Steph Curry warps the floor and is such, such an absolutely magnetic player that he is, like
0: Shaq from thirties. I'm I'm not going to detail this thing, Tom. I, I'm, to, to the great, being serious, chagrin of my producers on TV, occasionally I'll use that line and I'll say the great Tom Haverstraw said, and I'll and they get they just make a face because it's like why don't why doesn't Bill just steal it because that's not how we roll here on the show. Uh, speaking of um of Mr. Curry, I guess on the one hand, hard hard fought game on the road against a. You know, one of the many sort of interesting, goodish Western Conference teams. On, on the other hand, another loss and and really a brutal, brutal back half of the game in overtime. What is your assessment, projection of of who and what the Warriors are and will be going forward, Tom?
1: Yeah, I think they should make a trade here at the deadline in a week um, at three o'clock Eastern a week from today. There's uh, the NBA trade deadline, and I expect the Golden State Warriors to be active, and whether they do the monster. Um, You know, James Wiseman, Moody, and uh, Kaminga with picks to try to get a star next to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green remains to be seen. But I'm looking at Toronto and seeing the names on that list. OG Ananobi, um, a two-time All-NBA player, and Pascal Siakam who could be gone from Toronto a year and a half from now. Also, Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr., I think there's a deal to be had that can put the Golden State Warriors to the top of the Western Conference come playoff time if they can acquire one of those big time players whether it's Pascal Siakam or uh OG Anunoby who's one of the best two-way players in young two-way players in the NBA. I think the Warriors are still looking for that closing player um next to Draymond Clay and Stephen Curry that can take them to the next level. Jordan Poole um really good scorer uh, six-man role or or perhaps a like spark plug next to Steph Curry. But I, I think they want a two-way player. They want a guy like Pascal. They want a guy like OGN and Obi to help them uh, in that closing lineup situation. And I think coming off the championship, they want to make sure that they have enough pieces to win another one this year. Boston's looking really good. Denver, of course, at the top of the West. Watch out for Memphis Grizzlies to add a player like OG and Anobi to get in those sweepstakes because he makes the most sense on their timeline. They need a big wing who can defend and score late game situations. So I expect the Western conference contenders like the golden state warriors, like the Memphis Grizzlies to get in a bidding war uh, potentially for Fred Van Vliet, for Pascal Siakam for OG Ananobi. The Toronto Raptors are going nowhere and they have really nice pieces for a contending team.
0: Talking to uh Tom Haberstroh here on here on the show. Tom, next week, barring LeBron getting hurt, I, I think, either against Oklahoma City or, or or probably very strategically, ironically, you know, whatever it is, karma wise, against Kareem's former team, the Bucks, LeBron's gonna become the all time leading scorer, and everything's been said and written and will be again. But for you, and I just love the way that you see the game, the prism through which you watch it, with LeBron becoming, what, fourth all-time in the assists list this week, with him becoming the all-time leading scorer very soon in the next week, what's the right way to take stock of, to measure, to just ruminate about LeBron James, the basketball player?
1: LeBron James is going to finish his career as the number 1 scorer ever, in NBA history, and that's not even his best skill. You know, like, think about LeBron James' ability to pass the ball, the height, the size, the ability to be Magic Johnson in the the frame of Karl Malone. We have never seen anyone whose ability to, you know, pass the ball, be a point guard at that size in the history of the game, and yet that same player, Magic Johnson and Karl Malone hybrid, is also the number one scorer ever. So, like, it just is beyond me to describe how good he is at basketball um, besides that one line, that he is going to be the best scorer ever in terms of total points, and that's not even his best skill. LeBron is everything we could have imagined as the perfect prototype as a basketball player, guards one through five in his prime, can score with anybody, can pass with anybody. Um, He is just an incredible basketball player and his versatility is on display being top five in both uh, points and assists, top four even. Um, And like he still has so much other gifts in his arsenal. So uh, I said it, I think a few years ago, and I'll reiterate, I think Michael Jordan is the best player ever, but I think LeBron James has the best career ever. And that is, you know, That is something that is going to make a lot of people wrestle with. Like, how could you have the best career but not be the best player? And I just think the resume that you see from LeBron James is unimpeachable uh, from a career standpoint. But in terms of the heights of mastering the game at the highest level, I just think the peak of Michael Jordan is a little bit better than LeBron James.
0: All right, this is out of love, but i gotta, I got to get into this semantics conversation because my good friend Aaron Larsoul, who, who works for the Lakers and I've known for, for years, makes a very similar conversation argument about Jordan versus LeBron. I can't remember his distinction. It's, it's best versus greatest is the, his distinction. But if someone just says, like, Tom, you have to make a list of whatever, greatest, best players of all time, factoring everything in, resume included, it sounds like you're, going, you're still going Mike over over LBJ.
1: Yeah, at his peak, again, like I think people dismiss, um, you know, LeBron's longevity as just, you know, hey, he's got just a, a perfect body that can, like, handle the, the, the rigors of the NBA, and that's, you know, that's, that's a gift, right? No, LeBron works at it, right? And to think that Michael Jordan had already retired twice at this point and taken years off when he was at the peak of his powers, I think has to be included in this discussion is that LeBron James didn't take years off. He didn't retire because of lack of wanting anything left to prove or whatever that we now imbue some sort of nobility on Michael Jordan saying like, I've got nothing left to prove, but you know, like LeBron James has continued to play at a high level at 38. It's been incredible. Um, But when we're talking about just the best, player uh, I think Michael Jordan has a stronger case but it's really just nitpicking at this point LeBron James as someone you and I both covered uh, you know front lines covering LeBron James he is just an incredible player and off-court leader um, someone who brings it every single day and that has to be part of the conversation that LeBron James his durability his longevity and his constant availability is just mind-boggling. The talent and the durability is just something that Michael Jordan cannot
0: cannot compete with. Tom, if I expanded that list and I just off the top of my head said Jordan 1, LeBron 2, or whatever order you have, Kareem 3, Steph 4 or 5, does that strike you as um, wildly off-base?
1: You know, I think Wilt should be in that conversation too because, you know, he just some of the – Some of the scoring numbers are outrageous, even though it was in a different era. I think Wilt deserves to be in that conversation. And Steph, um, absolutely, in my book, he's top five along with Tim Duncan. So that conversation, man, you could just shuffle those names and I would be fine with it. But Stephen Curry, I think that's probably the most controversial one in the top five list because of his size and because he didn't come into the league as a number one prospect or even a top five prospect. And that's hard for people to wrap their heads around that someone who took a couple of years to figure out the league, figure out how good he is um, to have him as a top five player all time ahead of Kobe. That's my, that's my opinion. I just think Steph Curry unto himself is a championship caliber player. Like without, without Steph Curry, the Warriors are a lottery team and there's just not many players in NBA history. You can say that for right now, LeBron James is a lottery team, right? You know, that, that even, even LeBron James, at playing at this level, the Lakers um, are are about a lottery team. Stephen Curry, when he's healthy and playing every night, the Warriors are instantly in the title conversation. And they're just it's a short list of players all time that you can say that for.
0: 100% agree uh, with Tom Haberstroh from Meadowlark Media here on the show. I'm Bill Ryder. This is CBS Sports Radio. Tom, last night, and I enjoy this. I'm just full disclosure. You've known me a, a little bit now. I um. I enjoy it when some people fail. I just I like watching Kyrie Irving and his uh, Nets team get absolutely humiliated last night for whatever reason. I just did. That's where I live. That's what it is. What a beatdown of a first quarter that the Celtics put on Brooklyn and what a beatdown that game was. It's a single game, but when you look at it, are there more takeaways for you on what it says about the Celtics or more takeaways for you on what it says, at least right now, without Kevin Durant about, about Brooklyn?
1: Well, I just think when you look at Kyrie Irving as the number one, um, the resume is not strong. The resume is not strong. And we, you know, we had this conversation a couple of years ago, I think, was that Kyrie Irving's the most skilled player in NBA history or most skilled player at his position, most skilled point guard, all of this stuff. But I take Steph Curry over Kyrie Irving 11 times out of 10 because Kyrie Irving's you know, resume without another superstar on his team is a below 500 team. It is. And we're we're constantly seeing more evidence piling up that either his defensive deficiencies or his leadership deficiencies have continued to prove that he's more like a number two or a number three uh, on a championship team, rather than a number one who can carry a team on both ends of the floor. That's just not Kyrie Irving. And I think Boston – um, they have a really high ceiling this year, and I'm curious to see what they do with the deadline, whether they go after Jakub Pertle in San Antonio or something like that, a slight upgrade. But they are they are just about as flawless in terms of their, uh, their talent level. I, I didn't need last night to prove that. I just think that Kyrie Irving leading a team um, is a below 500 team. That is historically his career, and last night it just confirmed that Kyrie Irving is not an alpha. And despite his offensive skill as a, as, a, as a dribbler and as a finisher and as a shooter, his teams do not rally around him when he is the guy. And we've been proving that over and over again throughout
0: his career. Tom Haberstrow, thank you for your time. And I promise, as great as he is, we're going to keep Celestino in check over here, just pulling out Haberstroisms like they're his own you know, stroke of brilliance. I can't believe
1: that a Tom would do that to another Tom, but you know what? Right? That's okay. Well, we'll get a do-over next time.
0: Tom on Tom crime. Uh, Tom Hammerstiel, thank you, pal. Always, always appreciate the time. You got a bill.